Here's Alexander Arnold. Salah and it's broken for Schotter! Let's bring in long-time Premier League commentator Jim Proudfoot. Jim, great to get you uh, on our show. I know it's the early hours of the morning in the UK, so we appreciate you uh, joining us. Let's start at Old Trafford. One all early in the second half, and then United just put their foot down, did they? Yeah, morning, Jase. Um, nice to speak to you. It, it was an extraordinary Manchester United performance. Four goals in 20 minutes after they've been dominant in the first half. Only one goal to show for it. Uh, should have had more. Uh, and then Luke Ayling scored the goal of his life to get Leeds United back on level terms. 1-1, as you say, and all the momentum you'd have thought with Leeds. But six minutes later, they were 3-1 down. Another quarter of an hour after that, they were 5-1 down. And, I mean, they weren't good, Leeds United. And I think it's easy to, to read into performances on the first day. But Manchester United were just sublime. Well, you think that... The Pogba-Bruno Fernandes partnership is something that a lot of people have always said, well, can they play together? We've seen glimpses of it. Today, four assists for Pogba, uh, Hattrick for Bruno Fernandes. Um, Pogba then, as I say, uh, setting up all three of the Bruno Fernandes goals and another one as well. They've still got Jadon Sancho who came on for 15 minutes. They've got Rafa Varane to come. We haven't seen Marcus Rashford won't for a month because he's injured. It's a strong Manchester United team. Now, I'm not saying that they're going to go on and win the title because there are so many other obvious contenders. This is the best Manchester United squad, though, since they last won the title. I don't think there's much doubt about that. They're looking strong. I think it's going to be a fantastic title race. But that was a real statement of intent from Manchester United yesterday. What about Leeds United, though, Jim? They, you know, have got their supporters in, in various places. A lot of people over this side of the world, you know, have been picking them to, to challenge for Europe this year. What happened to Leeds? Um, they missed Calvin Phillips. There's no doubt about that. Robin Cock played in the Phillips role um, and struggled. He didn't have his best afternoon. I think he's better at centre-half than he is playing as a six. Um, but Calvin wasn't there. Rafinha wasn't at his best either. And so there was no service for Patrick Bamford. But what you have to consider, Jason, is last year, Leeds lost that fixture 6-2. Now, they played better last year than they did this weekend, there's no doubt about that. But they lost it 6-2, then went on, kept clean sheets in the next two games and won them both. So I think it could be a very different story. You look at Leeds, when Calvin Phillips is back in the side, if they um, win the games against Everton and, and, and Burnley over the next fortnight, it's going to have a, a very different complexion to it. But it just does put that little bit of pressure on on Leeds next week. There's there's more to come from them. I don't think you can... I mean, it was an off day for them, but I don't think you can you can write them off from having a successful season on the back of that. Many people think Chelsea might be Manchester City's most obvious and closest challenges for the Premier League title. They eased to a 3-0 win over Crystal Palace. Lovely to see Trevor uh, Shalabar score a goal on his Premier League debut. Chelsea looked OK, didn't they? Yeah, Chelsea were great. And obviously, they've still got more to come with uh, Romelu Lukaku. Um... So they were excellent today. Uh, I um, have only seen the highlights of that game. I was listening to it, um, but it, it sounded as though they, it was a, a very competent and confident performance. And the thing with Chelsea, you consider that what they achieved in four months under Thomas Tuchel, um, the defensive solidity has been there in nearly every game that they've played. 
Now, if they can add that little bit more purpose uh, and get the balance right to produce some more attack-minded performances rather than um, necessary pragmatism at times that we saw last year, they are really going to be a team to be reckoned with. There's no doubt about that. And, uh, you know, people say that they are going to be Manchester City's closest rivals. I couldn't disagree with that, although you know I'm sure Liverpool fans would and Manchester United fans would as well. But uh, but it, it is for me genuinely, for the first time for a while, it is a four-headed title race. Chelsea are obviously very much in the thick of that. Yeah, and Liverpool, you mentioned, uh, went to Carrow Road, uh, a 3-0 win over Norwich. Uh, Mohamed Salah, superb, set up goals for uh, Jota and Firmino before scoring the third himself. Virgil van Dijk back, and we know how much Liverpool missed him. Last season, uh, Liverpool fans smiling on the uh, on the opening day as well, Jim. Yeah, absolutely. And what Liverpool has had over pre-season, uh, particularly the, the the last two games that they played against Spanish opposition, and and was evident in patches against Norwich, although it didn't have to be as much, is a real pace and intensity that perhaps wasn't there when they were going through their their bad run towards the back end of last season before they turned it around over the last month. Um, They're looking fresh. They're looking like the wounded animal, hurt by what happened last year. They pulled it around to to still finish in, in the top three, of course, but they want more points. They want drastically a better return throughout the course of this season. They've got all the ingredients to do it. They've got a, a better squad now with Kanate coming in. They've got Van Dijk fit. Uh, Van Dijk alongside Matip again at centre-half with no disrespect at all to the likes of Nat Phillips. He's an upgrade on what they had for, for last season. So, yeah, all the, all the pieces are coming into play for Liverpool. And I, I don't think you can look at last season and say, well, Liverpool finished so far off Manchester City. I think that that is a gap that is eminently bridgeable with this Liverpool side. They're going to get a full season out of Jota. Bobby Firmino is is back in uh, the kind of form that was more reminiscent of what he had earlier in his Liverpool career. And obviously Salah is Salah. So, yeah, plenty for Liverpool fans to, to, to smile about as well. Let's have a look around some of the other results uh, overnight. Uh, newly promoted Watford off to a good start with a 3-2 win at home against Aston Villa. As we've said, Jim, it's only day one, but uh, Aston Villa, Jack Grealish has been their talisman for so long. Do you pick them to to struggle even initially without him there? Okay, I can't speak with hindsight here, Jason. I thought the Grealish deal was great for all parties, including Aston Villa. I thought the money that they brought in, the way that they could restructure it by bringing in Leon Bailey, Emmy Buendia, Danny Ings, I thought you had... Three players who aren't as effective individually as Jack Grealish, but I thought when you stick them all together, they will be uh, a more effective attacking unit. And I thought that Villa would actually be stronger for the deal. Now, I don't know what happened in that game at Watford, but they were terrible by all accounts for about an hour. I just couldn't get going at all. I think Watford may be first day nerves, a, a little bit of match management worry when they, you know, 3 0 ended up becoming 3-2. I think that there will be better to come from Villa uh, when they gel. They are going to miss Grealish, of course, but I still think that uh, the business will end up being half-decent business, and I reckon Villa will finish in the top half, notwithstanding the fact that it's it's been a, a disappointing day today. All right. The opening game of the season was Brentford's 2-0 win against Arsenal. Obviously fantastic for Brentford after their return to the top flight. For the first time in, what, 70 years. But what about Arsenal? I know fans uh, there aren't particularly happy with their side. But, uh, I mean, 
it, again, it's the first day, but what do you foresee for Arsenal? It's hard to put a brave face on it. it I mean, you, you can't look at Arsenal and say, that is definitely a one-off. They will definitely improve. They just had a little bit of ring rustiness. It feels as though it's much more significant than that. They've got Chelsea next week. I mean, it, it, the, what they've had over the last two years have been disappointing campaigns, but they've started both of them really well. Now, if they get off to a bad start, you just wonder how quickly it might all implode. If I was an Arsenal fan, I'd be desperately, desperately worried uh, because I don't think the business has been significant enough over the summer. It just You look at them and it just feels as though they're sleepwalking almost through games at times, but almost sleepwalking as well through a point in their history that they can't, for whatever reason, ascertain what it was that brought them the success, how they replicate it, what they need to do on and off the field in order to turn things around. I think this is going to be a long, hard season for them. Okay, other results overnight. Leicester 1-0 winners over Wolves. Everton, uh, Rafa Benitez off to a winning start there. 3-1 win over Southampton and Brighton. 2-1 winners away at Burnley. Want to look ahead to the games tomorrow, though, Jim. You're going to be at St James's Park for Newcastle against West Ham. If there's any stadium that will uh, rock with its fans back, it'll be St James's Park. How much are you looking forward to that? Oh, I can't wait. I mean, I, I can't begin to describe what that place is like when Newcastle are doing well and the roar that you hear when they come out tomorrow, the roar that you will hear on kickoff is just extraordinary. It lifts you off your seat. Now, as I said, it's a roar when they're doing well. The Newcastle fans, if you pardon the obvious pun about you know the way that they play, they see everything in black and white. There aren't too many shades of grey about them and it wouldn't take an awful lot, I don't think, for the understandable angst to, to come back. I mean, they've been out of the, the place for 18 months, those Newcastle fans, and not a lot has changed. They've still got Mike Ashley running the club. They've still got the same parameters of the expectation that um, the Newcastle fans are frustrated about. They think that they, and, and rightly so, let me add, think that they should be doing better than they are. They've had one top nine finish in 15 years. And when it's a, um, a city as big as Newcastle, but it's a one-club city, it, it just captivates everybody's attention that little bit more. They deserve those fans to be supporting a club that has had more success. And they also can't see a way out of it under the current ownership. So the noise there tomorrow will be fantastic. Um, they will, don't get me wrong, they will thoroughly get behind the side. But if they do get to a stage at some stage this season where things are going wrong, they will be amongst the first supporters in the country to to let the ownership know that um, you know things aren't up to scratch. That's the early uh, Sunday game and the round is wrapped with uh, mouth-watering fixture. Tottenham against Manchester City. Not much to say about City apart from the fact they seem to be almost unbackable favourites to win the title again. But I'd be very interested, Jim, on your, your thoughts on Spurs. And, and can you give us any update on Harry Kane? Will he? Won't he? What's he doing? Uh, well, the, the official, uh, in inverted commas, news is that they haven't made a decision, which means that he could still play. Um, that, uh, that Nuno Santo, ahead of his first competitive game in charge of Spurs, was going to make the decision 
Saturday. Um, so obviously that has passed. Uh, and he will know whether Kane is playing, but nothing has leaked out as yet. I wouldn't be surprised either way, but I think it's probably more likely that he won't because of the fact that he's hardly trained at all since he's uh, he's come back from England. He's he's had to isolate, as you're aware. So uh, I don't know. And then the bigger picture is how many more times is he going to play for Spurs? Uh, you know, and and will he, in fact, next time they play against Manchester City, be playing against Tottenham? That one still remains to be seen, and that I think could run and run over the uh, you know fortnight or so that we've got left in the transfer window. But it's a, 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 a game that Manchester City will expect to win, and all eyes on Jack Grealish for them. Um, where he plays him looks as though, from what we saw in the Community Shield last week, be on the left of the forward three. Um, but I, I don't think he will be phased by the price tag, Jack. Somehow, uh, but it'll be interesting to see uh, exactly how he, he fits in and assimilates in a Manchester City shirt. Wonderful to chat, Jim. Thank you so much for taking the time. My pleasure, Jason. Anytime. Thank you very much for the invitation. Good to speak to you. You too, mate. That is uh, Jim Proudfoot.